Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to answer a question from a listener, and I think I think Thomas watches on YouTube as well. I hope so. I hope all, all you guys and gals watch on YouTube, but Thomas sent me a question around outsourcing and building a site and ongoing work for a site. And it's not the sort of typical uh, services and agencies that I normally talk about, those done-for-you kind of companies like niche website builders, brand builders. You also have uh, Human Proof Designs and several others, actually, that build sites for you. So I've been fairly outspoken that I don't love those services. I usually recommend people don't purchase using one of those services, even though I am friends and personally know the companies that I just mentioned and I'm an affiliate for them because you know what? People like to buy those sites. But Thomas is coming at this from a different angle and surely we will understand, you will understand why I'm answering the question in this sort of format so I can help Thomas out and hopefully people like him. So Thomas has sent me a few emails over the past few months. He says, I was in the army for over 15 years and that's left me with PTSD and mobility problems. So Thomas, thanks for serving. We appreciate it. And, you know, sorry you're in that situation. Thomas further says, my army pension was not great. So I need to make some money each month and went for Amazon affiliate. I hired someone or should I say three people as the first two never listened to what I wanted to build. And he lists the specific, you know, niche and website, which I won't mention here, of course. It has a lot of content, but it's still not selling anything, even though I have social media out there spreading the word. Do you know anyone who would take a look at my website to see if everything is the way it should be and I'm not getting screwed over by my SEO guy? I don't mind paying for it as long as it's done properly. Thanks for your help. And I told Thomas, I think I referred him over to uh, one of my former students who does some of, I guess, audits for people like Thomas who maybe don't have the budget to hire me. And I typically, you know, don't, uh, unfortunately for Thomas and fortunately for me, I don't negotiate on my rates. I'm fairly expensive. My time's very precious. So I try to protect it very much. And in many cases, if I'm you know, trying trying to help someone like Thomas, I'll put it in a format like this. So hopefully a lot of other people can benefit from it. Not just one person, not very scalable. I don't have to scale everything, of course. And Thomas and I had some background or some back and forth here as well. So I replied back and I was like, Thomas, it's tough hiring people. And I've had, (laughs) I actually ran into some issues when I hired someone like two weeks ago on Upwork to do some light coding for me. And they basically kind of fucked up and didn't listen to what I was telling them. And I learned my lesson. I was just trying to get something done quickly. And I thought, eh, you know, worst case scenario, I'll be at about 40 bucks, which was true. But I also ended up wasting a decent amount of time versus just doing it myself. So hiring people is difficult at times. And even if you've hired dozens or hundreds of people, I think I've actually hired hundreds of people over the years it's still tough to do. You still make mistakes. You get in a hurry. And I goofed up the other week. So I told Thomas, here's some free advice. And I just asked a couple questions and tried to get more information. So I asked Thomas for 
what the general agreement was, like the list of things that the person was going to do for Thomas, if they made any claims. And I was wondering how much they were charging. So Thomas sent me a lot more information. I did find out that he found the folks that he was trying to hire on Fiverr. So I've hired good people on Fiverr. I've hired bad people on Fiverr. It's really a mixed bag and it depends on what you're looking for. So I'm not uh, endorsing Fiverr or saying anything negative about them. There's good and bad, just like on Upwork. There's good and bad people. And depending on how you're able to work with someone, it may work out well or it might not. So Thomas mentions that he was aware that he needed to have everything documented so it would be clear like what the deliverables were. So Thomas, good job on that. You actually sent over like all the different versions of the documents, which was it's actually far more than I needed or wanted to see. I just need the final version of it. So I kind of sifted through the back and forth and got a little bit more info. And Thomas mentioned, you know, the site sub, the site is loading slow and through some various testing mechanism like GT metrics and pingdom and that sort of thing. Thomas knows it's loading slow and the person that he has hired is not doing anything to, to really improve it. So he's being charged $300 per month. And I'll start talking about like what was delivered initially. So let me open up one of these uh, docs here. So overall, we have a complete and brand new modern. These are bullet points. So uh, a responsive Amazon affiliate site design will be similar to a specific site that is, is listed here in the niche. So they're trying to emulate a specific one. There will be two affiliate options. Um, I guess one is e-commerce, another is a blog affiliate. And I'm not sure. Uh, it sounds like Thomas may have gone for a, a blend here. Uh, further, there's going to be, uh, quote, product uploads, which I'm not sure what that is, but I think we'll be able to back our way into it. A logo will be created, uh, a brand email dedicated brand email, live chatting with a customer or the visitor, responsive and professional design, WooCommerce slash e-commerce functionality, and collect emails for the next promotion. And the designer, the developer notes, you will be able to make and edit without knowing any coding or programming. There's some more advanced technical setup around Keyword research, uh, basic on-page SEO, Google Analytics, Search Console, sitemap setup, registering for uh, Bing and Google Webmaster Tools setup. There will also be default pages like the contact page, about us, privacy policy, terms, conditions, disclaimers, a refund policy, and a frequently asked questions page. So it's fairly thorough. Um, I would say that's a good checklist for people that are trying to figure out exactly what they need to get done. I will pick apart some of the things that I don't think are necessary. Number one would be live chatting with a customer, not really necessary, and the WooCommerce e-commerce functionality. So that's one of those things that was a little bit more popular in 
years past. But the fact is, if you just throw up, and I, I do mean vomit up a WooCommerce site with WooCommerce on the back end, and you're just loading products from Amazon via the API, you're not going to really have any unique content. You'll just have what looks to be a store that basically is a waste of time. Very few people are going to even like search for those specific product names. And since there's not original content, it's not going to rank well on Google. The other thing is kind of in this stage of the game, a brand new site, you really don't need to collect emails. That's really just a distraction in my opinion. And if you are just starting your site, your time is better spent on writing content, publishing content, doing better keyword research, all those other things around content. So the fact is when you first launch your site, you're really not going to have much traffic. People are not going to sign up for your email list and you probably have several other things you're trying to learn. And email marketing is kind of a big thing to tackle. So I would suggest holding off until you have plenty of traffic and you have time to learn some new stuff and the site's kind of running on its own. The other good things are set up on the site. So I don't know how good the keyword research was at all, but you have like basic on-page SEO, some of the analytics, search console, sitemap information, like all those are pretty good, fairly trivial, you know, but those are good to do. The pages that are kind of the boilerplate type pages, those are good to have. And I think it's great that the developer was going to put those in. Further, they note that elegant themes, a, a div, or elegant theme, which is a d- divvy theme, is going to be used. They state there's a lifetime uh, license on there. I'm not quite sure the details with that. There's a list of plugins that are going to be installed. It doesn't look like there's too too many. We have WooCommerce, uh, Jetpack, Yoast or Rank Math, Easy Azon, Total Caching, W3 Total Caching, Google Site Kit, uh, Monarch, Bloom, Contact Form 7. So a couple are potentially unnecessary, but generally I don't have any major issues with some of these. I would maybe not use Jetpack unless you have a reason to. Of course, WooCommerce, I don't think you need it unless you're actually providing an e-commerce type solution, but I think there's better ways to do it these days. Easy Azon, that is sort of an antiquated plugin. I would potentially use a different one or just not use one in the short term until you really need to. W3 Total Cash is a plugin I used to use, but I think I, I use a couple different caching plugins these days. I think W3 I've heard is a little bloated and doesn't have the same easy kind of setup as some of the others that are out there now. A lot of times if you sign up with a specific hosting company, they will have a caching plugin that they recommend for you. So that's the case with uh, SiteGround and MDD where I have the majority of my sites hosted. Further uh, contact form, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of those. I usually just list an email address address and then there's a plugin called bloom which is an email opt-in plugin so i already mentioned don't even worry about email lists at this time images are going to be provided and the person mentions that there are 
Um, <laughs> it says, look, most successful Amazon affiliate sites follow roughly the same formula. They target commercial investigation keywords like best product name. They create best in class content by actually reviewing products, professional and good looking website. They work hard to build and attract backlinks to improve rankings. None of this is rocket science. It just takes hard work, persistence, patience, and a focus on long-term over short-term results. And honestly, I can't argue with that. So I think overall, I don't know. I don't know how much was charged in the initial setup. I may try to chase that down here shortly, but the fact is this developer is charging $300 per month for one piece of content and some social shares. That's it. So 300 bucks a month for one piece of content and social shares. And I think that is pretty expensive. Social media shares and that sort of management is probably not going to get you any traffic. No one is, no one's sitting around waiting to see what a brand new website is just sharing that's self-promotional. Like people are just not doing that. That maybe could have worked right when, you know, Twitter was getting started or something. But if you're just posting random shit there that's promoting your site, you're not going to get traffic. As far as one post, um, I think that's quite expensive. I don't know if there's a specific breakdown for the $300 for the post versus the social media sharing, but it's not. It's not really worth $300 in my opinion. You most likely could hire someone to write a post. And I'm assuming it's one to 2,000 words. You didn't list the word count here. But essentially, you're overpaying quite a bit for the content. And here's the other part. So as I look through the deliverables and the documentation that the developer sent over, it was sloppy. There were misspelled words. The punctuation was kind of not, it was a suggestion. Every now and then there were like sentences with no punctuation at all. It was just sloppy. And that is the first interactions that you're having with a person there. That person is not detail oriented. Now he or she could be hiring a writer to do the writing and maybe the content on the site is better, but chances are if they don't give a fuck about the contract, they probably are not going through and checking um, the content very closely. And I, I asked Thomas, I was like, Hey, are there typos? Do you think the content's good? What do you think of it? So if, if you're accepting this work and the person saying, yeah, yeah, it should, it should be great out there. Um, and you're not getting the results and you can see their typos and you can see that there are issues and the content isn't that great, then you got to let them know. You got to be hard on them. You're paying a monthly, a monthly fee. They have an incentive to keep you on board. So if they're not adjusting or doing what you want, you can fire them and hire someone else. I mean, trust me, there's tons of people who would love to do this work. In fact, I know there's a lot of listeners and and viewers and people that follow Niche Site Project that have skills. They have chops. They've been studying this stuff for years. They're actually pretty good at it, but they maybe haven't 
put together a site where they're able to like quit their day job. They're maybe not able to dedicate as much time, but they could offer a service. And I know there are a lot of people who are skilled and they're good writers and they would be able to do this stuff for cheaper than what you're describing. In fact, I'm pretty sure, and I'm, I'm not suggesting I'm going to do this, but I know if people teamed up together a little bit, they would probably be able to, to make some great traction and they would end up with a, a kind of like a little mastermind where maybe I have three people that are working on one site. You can get more content published faster. You can keep your expenses very low. You would have to have, of course, some inherent trust. You would need to have some agreement on, you know, who's doing what work and really be flexible. And you would also need to understand that sometimes people want to bail out of a project and you need to have those kinds of uh, details outlined so you understand what happens if a partnership dissolves. That's very important to do. So anyway, getting back on track here, basically it sounds like Thomas you know, wasn't super happy with the work and the, the person isn't adjusting in the way that Thomas is suggesting. Now you may go back and forth a little bit and try to, you know, get them to do better, but it doesn't seem like you should keep working with this person. Now that said, let me go up to a higher level because I know there are probably some contractors out there, maybe some freelancers that have dabbled over on Fiverr or Upwork and done similar work. The package that this person laid out, the bullet point list that I just mentioned, uh, the whole site deliverable, that's legit. I can't argue with how much they charge there. I can't argue with what they delivered. They said, we're going to do these 15 items. Here's how it's generally going to work. And they delivered it. So I can't argue with that. It is valuable for some people to have that work done and that same exact work could be $100 from one freelancer. If you go to an agency, that same exact package may cost you you know, $25,000. It depends on who the customers are and the customizations that are done and the level that the freelancer is trying to work in. And it's also the level of what the, the person, the client is trying to hire. So I cannot argue with that. Now, the quality of the contract, you know, I can nitpick on that. I want to work with professionals. I want to have detail-oriented stuff. And it should be a boilerplate, like, deliverable, right? There shouldn't be mistakes. This should have been, it should be perfect, and they could fill in the details and send that to every client. Then they don't have to recreate the wheel every time they're working with a new client. And it's perfect. There's no mistakes because they've refined and honed that contract and set of deliverables. So that said, what I don't like is the the monthly fee that seems to be a little high, a little poor quality. And the bottom line is I told Thomas, I was like, hey, I would I would stop working with this person. And I think you should probably have a good handle on the process. So I sent Thomas my link to Amazon affiliate niche site marketing, where it kind of lays out the process in various steps. I think his niche is probably fine. I didn't check out the site specifically or anything like that, but I would say 
you may be able to just remove the e-commerce portion, the WooCommerce portion that's bogging down your website. Most likely that's pretty resource intensive. So if you got rid of that and then started publishing blog content and having original content written, keyword driven, just like the developer and designer said, you, you could be in great shape. You may be able to salvage what you have, but I don't think you're getting $300 of value from that person. Definitely not from, you know, social media shares. I didn't see the quality of those, but essentially if there's anything that a person can do and just set up and start, you know, blasting social media with links back to their site and anyone can do it for free, there's probably not much value in it because everyone is doing that or everyone tried to do it and no one's really seeing it at all. Now, when I back up and I look at, you know, the done for you sites that are out there, again, I'm an affiliate for a lot of these companies because, you know, people don't listen (laughs) to me about the advantages of building your own site, at least at first, because then you know the mechanics of building a site, you understand the process and there's like no substitute for like struggling and figuring something out. So one of my arguments here is if the developer, if this designer could create a site that makes money by doing the same kind of work, then he would keep the site. So if he was able to create a site doing exactly what he's doing with the social shares and publishing a little content, he'd need to charge a whole lot more than $300 per month. He'd need to charge thousands per month to make it worthwhile to do this for another person versus keeping the site himself. Some quick, easy math. If a site's making about $100 per month in profit, it's worth about $3,000. If it's making $1,000 per month, it's probably worth around $30,000. And that is a average kind of middle of the road monthly multiple of 30x. So you take the monthly profits and you multiply it by 30 and it varies, you know, depending on the age of the site, the traffic sources, the quality of the content and several other factors, but you know, you're roughly looking at that 30x monthly multiple. So overall, if the developer could make a site by doing the actions that he's doing for you, he would just keep the site himself. So the logic doesn't work out. If he could build a site and get it running, he'd build them and then sell them and make a whole lot more money than $300 per month. So that's my take on it. In this case, Thomas, I would probably, you know, in the relationship with that contractor, take it as a lesson learned. See if you can salvage the site. Maybe there's some inherent value there. I'm not quite sure. It may be a perfect opportunity to just cut your losses, find something. I don't know if you're into that specific niche that you mentioned here, but if you're not, I do highly recommend you find something that you're either interested in learning more about or something that you're actually into and actually passionate about. The fact is it's going to take a little while to get a site earning money There's going to be times where you're uh, frustrated, you're stuck, and you're thinking, man, is it really worth it to keep pushing on the site or, or what? The cool part is if you're interested in the topic, if you're passionate about it, then it's going to be 
interesting and inherently fun for you. Even when you're still struggling, you'll think like if it was about beer for me, at the very least, you think, well, at least I'm talking and thinking about beer and you're not talking and thinking about or writing about something that you don't care about. You're writing about something that you think is uh, just silly and you have no passion for it. Now, I'm not saying you can't have a site where you're, you know, you're just not interested in it, but you have to have some inherent interest either in the, the process or in the topic. So I think it's more valuable if you have interest in the topic. And through the years, I've gone a little back and forth on it and it just turns out and I see my actions, right? I see that I ignore these sites that are not anything that I'm interested in and they just sit there. And if it's something that I can learn more about, that I have a little passion on, then I will get into it a little more and I'll spend time on it. So that's my advice to Thomas. Um, hope that was helpful. You should probably check out one of the recent episodes where I talk about the sunk cost fallacy. So uh, just quick note, basically you've invested time and you've invested money in this site, but if it's not going to work out, you're better off stopping any sort of time, resource, capital investments on this site as soon as possible and moving forward with a better alternative. So it will be painful. Our brains don't like to invest time, money, and resources into something and then leave it. But the fact is, those are sunk costs. Those are gone. So you have to make a decision on what is going on right now. If you have questions like this, Shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. You can also leave a voicemail. There's a phone number in the show notes here, and you'll be able to call, leave a message. I haven't had one in a while, and I think it could be because I was I was kind of mean to people about leaving messages. You want it to be about 90 seconds. So if you leave a very long message, that's not great. And we've actually had some fantastic messages that were 60 seconds to about 90 seconds. And that, that's perfect. You lay out a little bit of the groundwork. You ask your specific question. We potentially have some back and forth via email, but you know, 90 seconds is a sweet spot. Love to get voicemails. I've answered like every single one. So there's no reason not to give it a shot. Anyway, I think that's it for this episode. In the next episode, I'm going to answer a few more listener questions. And I do have some uh, just kind of random updates, um, content audit stuff, my email and tech stack migration, which was frustrating in some ways and strangely satisfying in other ways. It's been a roller coaster. And uh, of course, I'll talk a little about dry January. It is uh, February 5th. And I can tell you, I've had uh, like a beer every day this month <laughs> and I'll let you know about the new challenge that's coming up too so we'll catch you on the next episode have a good day out there